so much. Praise the Lord, everyone. It is certainly my honor to be here, and um, it's good to see such smiling faces on Sunday afternoon. Oh, that got even bigger. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, it is uh, special to be with Brother and Sister Dummett and the great work that they're accomplishing here. And uh, I admire anybody that's going to reach out of their comfort zone and do something outside the box. Now, I do have a problem in my life, and that is I'm ADD, <laughs> and so I don't see boxes. Well. <laughs> I don't see what you can't do. Right. I always think in terms of what you can do. Yes. And that gets you in trouble, too, sometimes, because <laughs> you can get overloaded with uh, all the new ideas that you've come up with. I love this theme, Masterpiece in Progress, uh, because life is a progression. Um, I want to speak this afternoon on trusting God through disappointments. Yeah. Trusting God through disappointments. And I, I am personally convinced, as life has gone on for me, that each of us are a masterpiece, but the progress that we go through sometimes doesn't feel too good. Yeah. But we are in a progression right. of what God wants us to become. Right. So I want to speak to you from Luke chapter 4, verse number 18. Just two different verses here today. The second one's going to be in John, the 11th chapter, verse 20 through 22. But Luke 4, 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. If you want to stand as we read the word. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to ple preach deliverance to the captives, and recover the recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. That is what our responsibility is as a church. Yes. To reach into our community. I'm going to select another portion of scripture from John the 11th chapter. Three verses. Starting with verse number 20. Now Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming. Went and met him. But Mary was just sitting in the house. Depressed. Disappointed. Not enjoying the circumstances. Now Martha said to Jesus, this is the one that went out to meet him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But, even now I know that whatsoever you ask of God, God will give you. Two sisters, one sitting at home, all depressed about the circumstances that life had come. The other went to see Jesus and said, I am really heartbroken, but even now, I still know you answer prayers. Right. Right. You may be seated. 
We talked a little bit about my daughter, my two daughters at lunch today. And, uh, it's the most amazing thing. They could go to the same party, and when they would come in the door, my wife and I would ask our oldest daughter, Stephanie, how was it? And, oh, it was great. You asked my youngest daughter, and, oh, it was, it, I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> same party, same situation, and two total different attitudes. And uh, I have to tell you that, that our uh, young, oldest daughter, Stephanie, has always been one of those that was positive. And our youngest daughter has always been one of those that was negative. Now, I like a little bit of history and studying it every now and then. And uh, does anyone have, has anyone ever been to Fort McHenry? Fort McHenry was bombarded by the, uh, the British in the War of 1812. And uh, Francis Scott Key, or they called him Frank Key, or his friends at least did, uh, was an attorney. And uh, he didn't feel like he was really patriotic for the United States. But um, when he realized that Britain was threatening the uh, sovereignty of the United States and was trying to come in and take control. They had already done all kinds of war actually in uh, Washington, D.C. and created a lot of grief. And he finally got the picture that the British were going to come in and they were going to take over Baltimore and then they would be able to control the two strongholds that was making America grow. All of a sudden, some of that patriotism kicked in, and he enlisted not to be in the war, but to be in the militia, and he became a civilian scout. And he started doing a little espionage, if you please, of, of uh, what was actually going on out there with the British war uh, team, and he would bring that information back to the American armies. Well... When you read about the fall of Fort McHenry, it looked like it was going to fall, at least. And uh, the reason uh, it had happened was that the British had determined they, if they could get up the river, that they could control and take over Baltimore. So Francis Scott Key was going to these different places, and he ended up at Fort McHenry when they were having the biggest battle of 1812. The British ships had five bombardment ships that they had brought to the entrance of the river. And they had strategically placed it towards Fort McHenry. And Fort McHenry had some cannons that they were able to shoot back, but they weren't strong enough, big enough, powerful enough to be able to reach those ships. The American troops, because Francis Scott Key had gotten the word to them what was going on, he had been able to tell the American war people what was happening. They sunk the American ships in the middle of the river so that the British, if they controlled Fort McHenry, still couldn't get up the river to control Baltimore. And so the story is written very clearly that the night that the British bombarded Fort McHenry, something uniquely happened. There was lightning and there was thunder. And it added a, a very, uh, I would call it a dramatic effect to 
the cannonballs that were coming towards Fort McHenry. And so they were determined to defeat the Americans that night, but of equal importance, we find that the Americans, because they sunk their ships and the British could not get up that river, the British ship, the British people who were on land ended up being abandoned because their counterparts could not get up the river. But Francis Scott Key, seeing those that lightning and that thunder going on through the night of September 13th and 14th, he was back behind what is called a rampart. A rampart is sort of a protection from the bombardment that was coming towards him. He finally wrote something that goes like this. Oh, say, can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed, at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets' red glare and the bombs bursting through air gave proof, everyone say proof, proof, proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave for the land of the free and the home of the brave? You see, when they looked closely, even though they were in the middle of a fight, they were able to see through all of the confusion right, right, of the right. lightning and the, the rain and the thunderstorm that they still were a nation and that there was a rampart that they had been able to get behind and they were protected. Yes. Folks, I want to tell you, the church is an important rampart in your life. Yes. You yes. must believe that God is going to help you and you become the masterpiece of what He has created you to be. Right, right. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to fight some battles along the way. You're going to have some disappointments along the way. You're going to have some heart-rending experiences along the way. But hang in there because when it's all said and done, you kind of look up there, you're going to see the church is still going to stand. The church is still going to be there. Oh, say, I can tell you, I can still see. Yes, yes. The church Amen. is going to stand strong. Right. One of the things since Evelyn and I have been able to be free from raising kids, uh, we've been able to travel a lot. So someone asked me the question earlier today, do I still have that little red Miata convertible? <laughs> no. Actually, when we moved to St. Louis, it made me so scared that I was going to hit a patch of ice and just slide underneath a semi-truck. And I, I'm short, but not short enough that my head wouldn't be kept, get taken off, you know? So I decided that wasn't really the car I wanted to drive in St. Louis with all that right. ice and snow. So I sold it, and I just couldn't handle it. Uh, I ended up buying a, a, a little uh, Chrysler Sebring convertible. It was much bigger, felt more secure. And, and I put 100,000 miles on it. I was actually right here in Louisville at an old hotel downtown that's been renovated. Galt House. Yes. No, no, it wasn't the Galt House. It, uh, it was more... Um, Brown. Yes. And I, I was there for a, uh, a seminar 
for uh, church denomination loan funds. And uh, we finished the seminar. I was driving back to St. Louis. I got one block away on Muhammad Ali Boulevard. And some lady did not stop when it was raining. Uh, she tried to stop, and she T-boned me in my convertible. And my, I don't have one anymore. It's gone. <laughs> Uh, I called Brother Vinito, and he came downtown, picked me up, and took me uh, to get a rental car, and I drove back home, and, and uh, my problem was my wife had 190-some thousand miles on her van, and we, we kind of decided we'd better buy her a new vehicle where she could get around, and I just rent one now when I, when I have to go places. So that's worked out all right. I'd still like another convertible. I don't care what color it is, but uh, maybe someday. Uh, having said that, what uh, uh, Evelyn and I did one year, uh, we decided that I was going to be teaching up in North Carolina, I mean, sorry, North Dakota and South Dakota. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how I could talk her into taking the convertible because I just love having the top down and, and whatever. Well, she actually came up with the idea. I'm not so sure I didn't pray for that, and she just got the wind of it. Uh, well, I don't know what happened, but she said, why don't we take it? It looks like the weather's going to be nice. We drove, folks, 3,700 miles in that whole trip. We did a little vacation with it, and we only had the top up maybe 300 miles. We looked like we were brown raspberries when we got home. You know, it was, we had a dark tan, and we just, we just enjoyed it so very much. But I, I have to tell you that something got a hold of me that I've not forgotten. And that is that up in the Dakotas, there are people who at one time, I, I, I've tried to think of the right term, they, they uh, what is it when you claim land that nobody claims? And is a squatter. Squatter. They had squatter's rights up there. And I saw these houses that had been built on a dream of individuals. I saw some corrals that had been built and all of them were broken down and the houses were deserted. And something got a hold of me that I've not been able to forget about how you and I can sometimes be so disappointed in the dream that we originally had of who we were going to become, what we were going to accomplish in life. Some of you here today you are still struggling with not accomplishing some of the dreams that you thought you were going to be. And the truth really is, you are still God's masterpiece, right. and you're still in the progression of it. And I want you to be able to see before this message is over that it was like Francis Scott Key. If you look through the bombs and all of the, uh, the problems coming towards you, God is still the church. He's still the power. He's still the help. He's still the encouragement. God has not changed. The next trip that we took was uh, actually uh, an invitation that I received to speak to the leadership at America's Christian Credit Union. It's our partner that does church loans above what we can afford uh, to handle. They're a Nazarene-based group, and every now and then they ask me to come and speak to their leadership about life planning. And I went, and I took my wife with me, and uh, when it was all said and done, we finished our sessions, 
one of them said, we're doing sort of a company-wide assistance for a ministry. Now, we don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's called the Dream Center. And I said, well, I have heard of it. I've read the book Matthew Barnett wrote. Have you ever read his book? Matthew Barnett's dad, um, he started the First Assembly of God in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a mega church. And Matthew felt his call into the ministry, but he... He didn't want to follow his dad and take over. And, and matter of fact, his dad was still too young and, and didn't want to turn it over to his son. But his son felt like he needed to go do something for himself. And he felt called to go to Los Angeles. He took a little Assembly of God church. And uh, he started singing songs that the, the old folks had never heard before. He started implementing things that they didn't think was necessary. And the older folks, one by one, just kind of disappeared on him. And all of a sudden he found out that he and his wife were the only ones left going to the church he was pastoring. And he felt like he had killed his own dream, but he did it in his style of the way he thought you should reach out in that particular time in that particular city. So he went to prayer. Now, Lord, I feel like you called me here. I'm disappointed. I'm not so sure I'm not even disappointed in myself. I've killed what was already here. Now, personally, I have a feeling it was already dead, or they would have liked the, 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 the little more liveliness. But uh, when you're in the midst of it, you can't always think clearly. Yeah, that's true. And so he said in prayer, the Lord told him to move his desk out to the sidewalk. So he moved his desk out to the sidewalk, and he said the Lord told him, you need to ask everybody who walks by, what is it that you could help them with? What he discovered was, most of them were struggling with dreams that had been broken. They ended up being homeless. They were drug addicts. They were caught up in activities that you and I would not want to be a part of living for God. They were disappointed in many of the other things that their families had fallen apart. And through that, as he listened to it day in and day out, all of a sudden he grasped why God had sent him to Los Angeles. And he started ministering to those who felt hopeless. Before it was over with, he called his dad and said, Dad... There's this big old hospital here called St. Angela's Hospital. It's been abandoned for years. Matter of fact, I don't know anything about it. I don't like any kind of horror movies, but uh, they tell me that originally a lot of the, uh, the horror movies in Los Angeles were recorded in this hospital because it has been vacated for years and years and years, and, and it's spooky. And so what he did was he bought it. He bought it for a little or nothing, and he and his dad got on to how they could raise some funds so that they could renovate. And they started renovating floor by floor, room by room. And they started ministering to people in crisis who had lost their dream. And they called it the Dream Center. Now, one of the reasons I got sort of connected with it was because we hired a man that... Uh, uh, had 
built the Assembly of God church loan fund, and he had resigned from it, and I hired him as my consultant to make me look like I knew what I was doing. He really had helped me, though, with everything, and his daughter had gotten caught up in, in drugs, and they had sent her there for rehabilitation, and then he donated his time to help them put together a board and a foundation, and the names of the people that they pulled together, you would recognize those names as famous people of the United States. And so I, I felt like I knew a little bit about it, but when I went there, they started and they took Evelyn and I to the top floor and they had a gentleman who had been a drug addict and had been delivered from that by the power of God and he took us up to the top floor and showed us what it looked like looking out over Los Angeles and he started telling us about the problems the alcoholics the drug addicts those caught up in prostitution how many were being murdered there on a weekly basis. And Evelyn and I, of course, having raised all those kids, our heart gripped us again about how many kids are out there that are struggling and, and homeless and hungry and so forth and so on. And so uh, we, we stood there with tears just streaming down our faces as he told us how God had delivered him and what they were doing for their community. So what happened was they finally took us downstairs to different areas we met a boy from Mississippi, from Biloxi, who had been caught up in drugs, and he was helping serve food. We went out to another area, and it was a floor that was only for girls that had been caught up in prostitution, and they were helping them get out of that and, and get a job so that they could be a respectable citizen. They had another wing for families, and we met a beautiful family who's... Uh, uh, the, the father lost his job, the mother had lost her job, they ended up losing their home, and they, have, they were homeless with five children. They were out on the streets. And so what the Dream Center did was they took them in, they gave them apartments. She went to school during the day for, I think it was cosmopolitan, cos cosmetology, not apology, but cosmetology, <laughs> and... Uh, <coughs> And he watched the kids and made sure they got to school. When she came home, she watched the kids and he went to a technical school. What they helped them do was get the skills that they needed so they could get back on their feet because they had lost their home, they had lost their jobs, they had lost their dream and ended up on the streets. Yeah. I discovered when I did research for this message that you have three dream centers here in St. Louis that are attached to that main dream center. There are about a hundred throughout America that are attached to it. And I don't know what those dream centers do. I didn't take time to research all of it. But here's what I want to tell you. Right here in this part of Louisville is a dream center yeah. called Crossroads. And what you need to be doing yeah. is believing that there are people that are masterpieces that have lost their dream yes. and they're wanting to know, is there anybody out there yes. that loves me enough that they're going to tell me who Jesus Christ really is? And most of them are good people falling on hard times. I shared with your pastor, it's so interesting that we ended up on this discussion at lunch. 
that I thought that Evelyn and I would forever be at Tupelo Children's Mansion and we would add additional ministries because there were certain things I still wanted to accomplish. And one of them was to have a retirement center for ministers and, and wives and, or uh, spouses who had retired and, and have no place to go, whether they come off the mission field or they weren't able to plan for retirement. Maybe they passed through a smaller church and just keeping it open was all they could do and they, they were never able to save for retirement, but they can no longer pastor. To individuals who simply want to be in a community of other apostolics in retirement age. And so I, I still want to do that. And I, I had all the plans together and uh, someone just kind of pulled it out from underneath me and told me I wasn't going to be able to do it anymore that was in leadership. Um, and then uh, I still have a dream of creating a place for ministers and their families in crisis with their family to be able to go and hide away for the counseling and, and the, uh, the assistance that they need to, to pull things back together. Because I want to tell you, in this day and age, ministers and pastors are fighting spirits and battles like they never have before. And if the devil can tear up their family, he can then tear up the church. Because if the leader can't keep his family together, how can you keep the rest of the family of God together? You need that. So you folks need to be praying for your pastor and his wife because the devil doesn't like it when they're doing good work. And then... The Lord told me in a prayer meeting, and he's only spoken to me twice in my own entire life. Now, I've had lots of impressions. But when you start saying, God, talk to me, and I, 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 I've got a lot of impressions. But I'm careful how hard, how hard I say that, that he told me to do what? Most of the time, he's pushed me through the door, closed the door and said, here, it's yeah. yours. Yeah. That's been meant most of the time. But... From that, I thought I would always be there. I would have all these different pieces together. And then my wife and I felt like we could no longer do what we were doing. We left. Three years later, they called and asked me to start the stewardship group. And I did that, but I had to take a major pay cut again. We lost we weren't able to sell our home for a year. We lost all equity we ever had in a house. We literally had to start over at the age of 52 from scratch. You say, but you're head of stewardship. You ought to be able to have all these pieces of knowledge together how to plan for retirement. Oh, I had a plan. I was working the plan but the plan fell apart. You say, why are you telling me about stewardship? Because I'm telling you, you're still a masterpiece. And God still has a master plan. He wants to know, are you willing to trust him? Right, right. Through the disappointments. Yeah. I can tell you today, my wife and I are well on a plan now. If I have good health for another three or four years, I'll be able to retire and be fine. But I'll tell you, 17 years ago, it looked like I lost absolutely everything I had spent a lifetime doing. And I think God allowed me to go through that experience for a purpose. To find out that even though I still trust you, God, like Martha said to Jesus. 
So what happened there? Lazarus was sick, sick and his best friend was Jesus. And Jesus knew, they got, he got a message that Lazarus was sick and about ready to die. And Martha and Mary knew if all Jesus had to do was come and just touch him and he would be healed. He would be fine. He would live. And you know Jesus just kind of lollygagged where he was. Any of you ever feel like he just hadn't heard you? You just don't know where he is? And you, you know, he must be... He must be over in Lexington. He hadn't bothered to come over here yet. I, I've been hearing they've got big revival over there, but and, and he's promised me, and, and I know what he's done before. What, God, would you please come to Radcliffe? Would you please come to Fort Knox? Would you please come to South Louisville? We, we need you. We're about to die here. As you know, Lazarus did die. He was buried. And then Jesus kind of meanders and shows up. Martha goes out, weeping and crying, and she greets him and says, Jesus, if you'd been here, Lazarus, we know, wouldn't have died. But even so, I still believe Now, Mary was still back weeping and crying and sobbing. She said, I'm not going to go see him. He let me down. One saw the glass positive half full. The other one saw the glass negative half full. Same situation. Same circumstance. Now, Francis Scott Key, he could have walked away and said, man, we are not going to win this war. But he stayed behind the bombardment, and when it was all said and done, he wrote that fabulous anthem that you and I sing every now and then about how thankful we are to be in the United States of America. But, folks, it came right to the point of disaster. Yeah, that's right. It came right to the point of us no longer being a nation of our own and coming under the control of Britain. But somehow, one man let them know that what was taking place, and he stayed behind the bombardment, and he saw the bombs bursting in air, and he saw all of the, the sparks coming out of those bombs and all the rain and the fog. But when it all cleared, he still saw the flag standing there. Well, so you say, Brother Dre, that's the first time you've had disappointments. No. I don't do this often. Because sometimes it's painful when you're honest. But as I was driving here today, I was very prompted to be very blunt and honest for some reason. Not all has been well in my life, even before this. I was dedicated to the Lord when I was three days old, Frankfort, Indiana. My mother and father were in the church. My, my mother played the piano. My dad was a church trustee. 
He was youth leader at one point. He was young people's leader at one point. He was leader of the music of worship time. I've watched my dad dance and shout in the spirit. But I also watched as he walked away from God. I watched as he was unfaithful to my mother. And my mother got back up on the piano worshiping God and crying because God had not disappointed her. Man had. She taught me something. She taught me that Martha spirit. That even though, even though, I still trust you. I watched my mother years later as my dad left our family and I had a three-year-old sister by then and I was 18 getting ready to go to college and I had a sister 16 that had run away and got married and my mother's life had fallen apart where there had been five of us all of a sudden it was just down to two. My little three-year-old sister and my mother. I watched her as she cried and I heard her in the night disappointed and heartbroken. She had never worked outside the home, and all of a sudden, she had a family to support, a house to keep up. She worked sometimes three jobs to keep body and soul together. But I watched her. She went to church. She still praised God. She taught me, even though I still trust you. So everything else was good, right? Surely you understand, Brother Dre, that a lot of families go through that. Oh yeah, I understand. But what you don't know, and this is what is hard for me to talk about sometimes, is that when I was five or six, I had an uncle that took advantage of me. And I grew up wondering what was wrong with me. I struggled in school. Because my mind would go off, something's wrong with me. Because you see, the devil allowed a spirit to come in and try to destroy what God wanted of a masterpiece the devil tried to destroy. I'm trying to be discreet, but you are older, understand what I'm saying. The truth really is, that when I made up my mind, God knows who I am, I still trust him. He was able to use those disappointing circumstances for me to love kids who had been hurt. Fear always was because molesters can sometimes become molested, can sometimes be molesters. People would think that I was doing something to those kids. And I lived in fear for a long time. Till Jerry Jones asked me to come and speak to young people, young youth pastors in St. Louis, and there were over 500 of them there. And I was, my subject was, How do you minister to troubled children? And God said, You've got to tell the truth. Some of you have not told God the truth yet of what is hidden away 
of disappointments. And I emptied myself. I told them how my youth pastor, J.U. Rose, would put his hand on my shoulders and say, Steve, I love the way you worship. I love you sitting on the front row. You're always there. I love the way you lead out in prayer. You go to the prayer room. And what he didn't know, I didn't have a man in my life who was showing me affirmation. And because he showed me I was okay, I was able to grab on to hope. And because I watched my mother keep on living for God, I was able to grab on to hope. And the reason I can understand those kids that God sent me to, to love and to care for is because I had been disappointed and I had grabbed on to hope. I had had the bombardment of disappointments and heartaches of a family and personal invasion. But I had survived by the grace of God. Yeah. And I was his masterpiece to make a difference. Am I better than anyone else? No. Am I worse than anyone else? No. You see, we just all have different tracks of things that has happened to right. us. Right. And here's what I want to do. I want you today to think about, have you been disappointed in something that has come your way and it's keeping you from being God's masterpiece? What happened that day? I became free because I was honest. Yeah. And I've been able to talk about it in an appropriate way since then that has ministered to many people. Soon after that, I was asked to speak at a ladies' conference. And I called the ladies' president back and I said, you don't want me because what I feel like God wants me to talk about, I don't want to talk about in front of a bunch of ladies. She said, I know now what it's going to be that you're going to talk about because I know the issues. I don't know about you, but I know the issues. And all of a sudden, God told me what had happened to you. Yes, you're going to speak. And that day, there were over 200 women who came to the altars who had been either verbally, physically, sexually abused. And they never had dealt with it. I know this is perhaps a strange message today. But I'm here to tell you, you may have had a lot of disappointments. There could have been divorce in your life. There could be unfaithfulness of your own kids who have walked away from God. It could be your dream job has been eaten up by others who are un unethical. I don't know what your dream is, that maybe you have become disappointed and you can feel like now that you can never be what God wants you to be. I'm here to tell you, you need to get over it. Because when I look from the ramparts of the church and I look out over, I can still tell you, I see the flag of God's church still waving high. The flag of God's church is still strong. Amen. I'm here to tell you that God is still able to help us be what we're called to be. And I don't know what kind of disappointments you have, but I'm here to tell you today, you need to get over those disappointments. And you say, God, I'm going to trust you. Right. I, I remember one night my mother was crying, and she said, God, I need help. She had wet tears all over her pillow. And when she got up, 
they instantly dried away. I'm here to tell you, God knows how to dry your tears up. It doesn't take away all the, the hurt, uh, but He's able to help you with those hurts uh, and to be strong because you are God's masterpiece. And He can use you with the yes. disappointments and the yes. heartaches yes. and, and the, the troubles that's come your way. Right. He wants to use them yes. to reach out to people right here whose dreams are broken in South Louisville. Yes. In the dreams that are broken of those in Fort Knox. Uh, those who have dreams that are broken in Radcliffe. God wants you to be able to be the lighthouse, to be the rampart for them to be able to come behind and be protected from all the darts of Satan that's coming to destroy them. The church, right. Right. it is the crossroads that they need to come to right. and say that God is my answer. Yes. Yes. I want to open this up right now. How many of you want to come to the front and say, I want to help be the answer for the people in the community surrounding here? I want to be, as we stand together, I, I want to be one of those that helps people through their disappointments. You need to become the dream center. Yes. yes. This church needs to become the dream center. Helping people who have been wounded. The devil is out to destroy, folks. Amen. And some of you have experienced some of those darts that he has sent at you and, and those threats he sent at you. But you need to thank God that he's kept you through all those storms and through the, through the bombardment and through the disappointments. Yes. I could say before you here today and I could say, my God is faithful even in all of the disappointments, in all of the heartaches, in all of the hurts. That's right. That's right. He's not let me down. Right. Would you come towards the front? Jesus, if you would like to become a, a hope center for people, Jesus. Yes. you want to reach out to those who are hurting and wounded. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, say can you see? By the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or the ramparts of the church we have watched, and it still the church is gallantly gleaming and streaming that our God is still here. Yeah. Our God is still answering. Amen. Our God is still making a difference. This may not be relevant to many of you, but I know that God sent this message for yes. this day for somebody. Yes. And when I walked in here, I want you to know God is trying to tell you you are his masterpiece. Yes. And you can't let the past destroy you. Right. But instead, let's use it that God can heal you and he's going to make you a better person to help others. Yes. Let's just raise our hands together and let God help us through our disappointments. Yes. Heavenly Father, you know... I have tried to be obedient to you here today to be vulnerable and to be open and to talk about life the way it happens. And there's somebody that you have sent this message to. There's somebody here today who has been struggling with past issues, past disappointments. I look at the Word God and it's full of people who have been disappointed. Moses became disappointed when he was sent to the backside of the desert. But there for 40 years, you taught him how to become a leader and how to love and to, to love you and to care. I, I, I read, Lord, many times where many of the women were searching and believing for a child. And every month they were disappointed. But you, God, through miraculous ways, every time let it come to pass for a child to be born. 
Oh, Lord, I'm here to tell you, there may be children in this community that need to be born in the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you give this church a burden, that they can be the dream center. They can be the ones that clothe, those the ones the ones that feed, those that want to give a, a drink to the thirsty. Amen, Lord. And reach out into this community to people who are hurting to be able to help them be what you want them to be. In Jesus' name, bless these people who are willing today, Lord, to serve you and to be a part of your kingdom. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's just respond to this message today. Amen. Why don't we spend some time to just talk to God? Man, if you've been disappointed, you've been going through stuff, why don't you just be honest with God today? Amen. God is here to minister to you. That's why. Brother Jerry spoke this message. God's here to minister to you today. Let's just cry out to him right now. Hallelujah, Lord. I, I believe you, God. Today, 